Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. We're super glad you joined us. Um, we are just stacking up the hits here. This is episode 73. And we haven't released anything as of yet. Um, I don't even think we're going to release any more episodes. I think we're just going to keep recording these for ourselves now. This is this is our new private <laughs> podcast, the Chris and Andre Private Podcast Show. Um, yeah, we're just, we're going to hoard all the goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this is like uh, you know I talked before about like with Instagram where you just have to build up a bunch of content and then drop it all at once. <laughs> no, that's I've. Like we talked about last week, not that you guys have heard it, but you will eventually, maybe. Uh, life. Life. Happens, right? Like, life comes at you fast and uh, in the midst of a move, planning a wedding, uh, getting my house down here ready. I have I have dropped the podcast ball, so to speak. Um, but... Yeah, we even try to split up the duties, and it's steel. It's steel failing. Steel. steel. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all good. No, I mean, you know, like, it is what it is. Like, at the end of the day, right, we do this more for us than anybody else. And so the important thing is, for me, that we show up and we record this when we can, because especially living now, like, two and a half hours away from you, I don't get to, yeah, like, right. just drop in and have lunch every so often. So, um you know, like I, I, you know, got to make sure I, I get some time with my with my best man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I got work to do, son. <laughs> but yeah, it's nigga been... job ain't hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, there was literally nobody else that was even uh, in running. No, I know. I'm, I'm just. I, the role. I know you're just I, joking, but I'm just like I'm just being <laughs> honest here, like. There was got a, enough to do. There was like, not God, a second God. thought. <laughs> well, I didn't hesitate to say yes. I mean, because you're my dude, man, and I and I love you a lot. And I'm really, I'm really happy for you. Hey, I, I mean, got my, I got fitted for my tux. Oh hell yeah! And I was like, yo, I'm in there, yo. Um, yeah, now it's real, right? Yeah, I already paid money. Yeah, <laughs> like, what? So now it's real, <laughs> real. <laughs> yeah, it's like real, real. It's like... <laughs> When I start dishing out pennies, it's like, yo, it's, it's going down. You better get married. I mean, you only get married <laughs> twice, right? I know, right? Well, we yeah. only get married twice. Yeah, well, <laughs> marriage is a wonderful is a wonderful thing. I love. My, you know what? Speaking of that, I um, I really love my wife. Like, I I just like the more I spend time with her, I realize like, yo, you just now realizing that. No, it's. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Tetchy, there's you know t- that he loves you. I know she's going to Yeah, there's some times there's some times where you just kind of um if you don't slow down long enough to realize like um like and I and I may have said this to you before. Uh but I was talking to somebody a while ago and they asked me why I got married. And I, and I said it's the perfect personification of seeing love being alive, right? Like and it's just it's just amazing. Right uh, now, every day is not perfect, but for the most part, it's it's really amazing. Um, and and the second thing I would equate to that is just my children. Like uh, my daughter is going off to college in a few, gosh, in 
Gosh, three I'm weeks. <laughs> no, like two weeks. L- less than two weeks now. Yeah, I'm dude. so sad. Yeah, and I, I was stop. just. I know. <laughs> She's making me feel old, and she's not even my kid. <laughs> I know, right? And and I was just like, uh, we we went somewhere, and she's like, "Dad," blah 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 blah. And I was like, one of the coolest things of my day is to hear my kids call me dad. Right? It it just melts my heart, and like once it chips through all the cold stone <laughs> yeah, around it. I'm um, sitting here going like, the only times I hear dad are when it's prefacing my kid getting ready to ask me a question that I'm probably going to say no to where it's like dad and it, it's even if it's we're the only two people in the car you know like it's not just hey what about this it's always dad and I'm like is there somebody else that you would be a dr-? and I know that it's just like I, I don't know it, but I also recognize not always in the moment but later usually like there will be that time right where that goes away or it changes yeah. and I mean because it used to be you know dada or daddy and occasionally i still get a daddy but it's mostly dad at this point which is okay i like yeah. or padre i get padre a lot <laughs> which i do i love i love padre i i am like on this is the last kid for us this is like um, i mean i would we, hope so like that would be oh <laughs> oh i would definitely i'm not quitting this race we are we are so at the finish line uh but this is our last one moving out and and going further and further away from us so uh you know, it's it's emotional. Um, so are you going to be you know, going through the, like, empty nest syndrome? Or are you, like, do you feel like part of you will just be glad to some Not, like, glad, but, like, oh, okay, like, now it's me and my wife and we kind of get, like, our lives back to ourselves. Well, when, you're, when your kid is, becomes a teenager, you pretty much you are that in that realm. Okay. Yeah, you're kind of like, you have a roommate. <laughs> like, that, that doesn't pay any money. Yeah. So it's like, all right. Oh, so uh, like my old the, roommates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically like um, you know, but it's it's also like she was telling me I'm I'm gonna miss being at home, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna miss you know just knowing that you're that much closer, yeah. you know. Um, and it's even with our boys, and like uh, Kevin just turned thirty. Um, which is, which in uh, yeah. Uh, so it's like, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where you're always kind of asking yourself, like, you know, well, you, you know, you've done a good job because, you know, they get older and they're not dead. Yeah. Um, Cause you see it right day to day. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. But it's always that realization that, oh, this, this is a person <laughs> that's doing their own thing and, you know, they're going to have their own opinions and it's just really, it's really a cool feeling. Um, I don't know that my dad uh, agrees with you on it being a cool feeling. Sometimes I think he wishes that I would just agree with him more often. <laughs> well, I, I, I can just kind of like, like simulate a conversation between the two of you with like the little quips and the sarcasm going <laughs> yeah, back and forth. <laughs> it's, you know, what's really funny is when he, like he realized it when we moved down here, he's like, you and your mom together are an unstoppable force. Like you two, team up on me and i can't get a damn word in edgewise (laughs) i don't even like it 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 just comes naturally i don't it's not like i'm trying to do it it's just that's what pops into my head and the filter in my head says yeah that's good let it go (laughs) i uh i'll tell you this like uh when we went to new york matt was like man dad you don't get a break between tetchy and and my sister i'm like yeah i know it's like (laughs) 
I'm like, I'm glad you got my back today because it's like <laughs> I'm always walking, walking, uh, licking my wounds. But it's all good. It's just one of those things where I'm grateful, um, and it's like, wow, it's 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 going to be a big moment, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what do you got? I, you're. I know we haven't talked in a while, yeah, which is sad. Well, we talked. Last week, didn't we? Well, well I mean, yeah. I'd say like a while. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. A while. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't yeah. we haven't been communicating quite as much frequently, or quite as frequently as we had been for a little while there. Even texts and stuff like that. Is it? You know, like we were talking about earlier, it's just been so so many things going on here, kind of simultaneously, and um, and whatnot. And obviously, you've got your life going on as well, but. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like, things have been pretty good down here. We're making some progress on the house, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's exciting. We've got painters are in this week, and so we're starting to see color on the wall, which is great. You know, starting to get the feeling for what it's actually going to kind of feel like. Um, the biggest holdup right now is cabinets, kitchen cabinets, you know, and trying to get that stuff. Um, we, we jumped on the appliance um, stuff early and kind of got that done but now it's like we're sitting here waiting probably another 10 Three months? 10 to 12 weeks yeah for our cabinets to arrive according to the the estimate so i mean and it just there's nothing that can be done about it you know but it's uh um, oh if you think this is done i mean i think our economy as i said before we're probably looking at 10 you know 2023 of getting some normalcy back like our supply chain is so weak yeah um, well, and then what'll be interesting is to see what happens with the housing market and interest rates and all of that stuff. I was just reading an article the other day that was talking about the, you know, that yes, there will be a burst of this bubble at some point, but the hope is that the, well, I shouldn't say the hope, the article stated that they were hoping that the Fed would basically keep interest rates artificially low long enough to stave off the housing bubble which i don't really understand they won't be able to do that right uh, so i was listening i was uh, reading an article and i heard the same thing come across uh npr that the housing shortage in the united states is um since 08 has been about a million a year when they were saying this is the the fewest number of available units for sale in the united states at any point since they started tracking it basically like there's usually 2.2.0 to 2.5 million i think units available yeah. for sale and right now they're averaging like 1.3 million and so it's yeah. yeah and then you you couple that with people having you know stimulus money that they may have saved or low interest rates right equity in their home that they're trying to sell but then turn around and buy what right i mean like that's yeah that's been a big issue and that was a question that people kept asking us when we put the house for sale up in carry was like well what are you guys what are you guys doing and we were fortunate enough at the time that we already had our place down here locked in you know and so but it's almost like that's how you have to do it now. But most people aren't financially in a position where that's something they're able to do. I mean, I had to float. Or there's or there's enough inventory. Or that, right? yeah. I mean, there's still, like, we got lucky because the, the house that we bought down here never went on the market. You know, like, we had no competition for it. We knew through friends of my family that it was right. coming on. And we met, and I was like, hey, yeah, I'd. I just want to get out. Like I, I'm, I'm moving. You know, he was relocating somewhere else, and 
I was like, there's work that the house needs to be done that, or that needs to be done in the house, but I don't really have the time or the money to sit here and do it all. And so if I'm going to, you know, if I was going to go through the pr process of putting it on the market, it'd take me forever, let alone the amount of right. money that it would cost me. And so, um, I mean, we were, it's a hurry. It's, it's a hurry up and wait game. And I, and I like, I've got the uh, bug. I've got a friend that uh, they just bought a house also, um, and sold their house yeah. and, but their new house won't be ready for 10 months. So part of me is, is kind of the, the realtor brain is like, you don't want to buy at the top end of a bubble. No. Like if I'm being super honest, yeah. like I just like instinctively say that's a bad idea. Um, and to be fair, right, it depends on what you're buying and at what point you're buying. But chances are right. the average house that you're buying, you're probably paying significantly more for it right now than you would in other years or other yeah. markets. And yeah, I mean, that was part of my my thinking in selling the house up in Cary, too, like where I listed the house. You know, I wasn't trying to put it at like, oh, somebody's going to have to have, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash to drop in order to be able to come buy this, right? Or putting somebody in a position where they're so over leveraged trying to get into the home that if the market falls out, you know, for whatever reason, that then they're risking, not that, I mean, obviously people oh, you'll have get their own financial situations and stuff like that, that I'm, I'm it's not like I'm responsible, but I wasn't trying to be that guy that's like, oh, I got to get every Trying to gouge people. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, like I felt like what I asked for was reasonable and what I got was reasonable. It wasn't. I think your price was reasonable. Um, and I like and I told you like you'll sell it within thirty days. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was within that uh, first week that I had. I mean, it, what's funny is I thought I'd have a lot more interest in it. You know, like I thought I'd have a lot more people coming to see it. And I mean, if I'd gone the agent listing route, then I probably would oh, have. Yeah. Right. But then, like, what, ultimately, you only need one person to buy the house. I don't need fifteen yeah. people. And I don't know. It, the rule of thumb, I've always. Well, it's it's held true for me, and I, I could be wrong though. Uh, for a a buyer, they typically like of the first three houses, it's typically number one if you've done your job right, if you listen to what they're asking for. Yeah. And of the sellers, you're probably going to get within the first five, you know, uh, showings of your house. Um, and like you just know that's it's always been. And I all, I can only speak for this market, like Wake County, yeah. but. Um, it's true. Like when I watch property hunters or whatever that crap is, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, I knew it was the first three houses. So the realtor obviously did their job. And if you watch the body language, you can pretty much guess. And I was always right. So it was kind of like no fun for you to watch that show. I was, I was like, not often right on that. I, I would really? usually guess wrong. And I think a lot of the times it was because it was the one that I would pick, not necessarily what they wanted. Right. Like, I'm like, no, you're yeah. crazy. That's not right. I want this house. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you want. But I always like that show was always like, you know, Mark and Julie have, you know, seven children and 45 dogs plus a chicken. <laughs> They're looking for a small bungalow near the beach that's under $50,000. You know, like. <laughs> but they, but, but they always also within walking distance of Mark's job downtown. <laughs> like, what? These are things that cannot be true at the same time. <laughs> But they always tell you what the what they're looking for. They gave you the profile in the first part of the show, mm -hmm. and but I again I sold houses, so it's like oh, and I was a consultant, so it's like oh okay. Yeah. Given that information, only one thing can be true. You know, the possibility of two, but 
Just one. Chances are they're only um, buying one house. So. Oh, chances <laughs> are. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, I got the itch because I kind of do. Uh, my wife is preparing for grandchildren. That won't happen for like another 10 years, probably five to 10 years. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, as I look at my kids, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, eventually I'm going to be like a granddad. <laughs> like, and it's actually going to be a thing. So, um, you know, whatever we do, we're going to remodel the house, stay here for a year. I think the, the market will probably settle by the time we're ready to buy, we might move downtown and just, you know, rent our house and get an apartment so I can get that out of my system. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I would, I would really enjoy to live downtown if I'm being honest. Like, I mean, I know. I mean, you're the, you're the city boy. Like, you, yeah. you know, like you love being in that city life and coming from New York, obviously. So I, I get it. It's not, you know, like there was a time where I might have been interested in living downtown, but I mean, I spent the last eighteen years in the suburbs. So, like, <laughs> I I like. Don't get me wrong, I like the suburbs, but it's kind of like it's great for like uh, when you have family come over. Yeah, that's about it. Like other than that, like every day, like Monday through Friday, it's yeah. There's not much, it's, right? It's restrictive. It can yeah. be. I mean, it, and carry. I think to some degree is kind of, I mean, it is a suburb, obviously, but it's it was a pretty right. developed suburb. It's not like you had to go real far to get to stuff and carry necessarily. Like most of the things that you would want to do were relatively close to you, or at least you had an option that was close to you. Maybe it wasn't the best Denny's, but it was, it was an okay Denny's. <laughs> so we went to a, uh, a comedy show in, uh, in uh, a mixed use development, uh, going towards RTP, right? Okay. Uh, uh, going actually going towards uh, E area, uh, their their second home, and first of all, the comedy show was lit. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we saw Miss Peggy. Um, what name sounds like she? Her? Yeah, she's hilarious. Like she is, she's like super hilarious. Uh, she's getting a show on on BET. Nice. Yeah, her her set was dope. Uh, Eddie Griffith's going to be there August eighteenth and nineteenth, and we're probably going to go see him. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what you're doing in August, but well, I, I do know what you're doing in August. Um, <laughs> so you're probably like, preparing for other stuff, but um, it was a very good experience. And and my wife was like, I really like this. She can like she was as we were looking for parking. She's like, you can literally walk to get dinner and stuff like that. And now, to be fair, she's from New Jersey, so it's not like she's you know oblivious to what it's like to be in a more uh, populated area. Yeah. It's just that she's so used to being in the birds. I mean, New Jersey is basically a suburb of New York. So yeah, no yeah, offense our, to New Jersey. Um, unless you want no, to no offense to take it. Yeah, it's, and it's also our, the, the, the garbage dump of New York, but well, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I know I told you when I went to New York, I just feel like I'm at home, yeah. you know, and like I haven't lived there, lived there in like years. And it's like, I just feel so much more comfortable. I mean, I, I do like I completely understand it. And I'm the opposite, right? Like I've spent one right. year living in a rel like anywhere relatively close to downtown, which was my one year on campus at NC State. Right. Every other year of my life that I remember, at least, um, has been spent, and probably even before that, like you know, was spent in the suburbs. That's that's just that's my comfort zone more than anything. You know, yeah. that's where the white people I, I, are. So <laughs> I know it. 
I mean, low key, it's cool to be in a place where people aren't aren't looking at you, and, and like yeah. you, you just kind of you kind of blend in, and that's actually that's probably that's a big majority of it. Um, and just the pace is different, you know. Yeah. Um, like so, when we were in Harlem, I had to go get beer because I w- I always have to buy beer wherever I'm at. Um, so uh, we went to this. Did they not have swing- beer when you were in? Well, no, my aunt does. She drinks, but she didn't have beer. She was cooking all the food, yeah. and I was like, oh. I was like, where's the beer? She goes, you got to go to the store. I'm like, all right. You don't got to tell me twice. Yeah. Um, Did you go to like it was the corner beer. store, the bodega? No, it was actually a grocery store. It's st- and that still blows my mind. It messes me up, man. Um, like a Publix? Like. <laughs> It's like uh it's like a competitor to Whole Foods, okay. right? So we walk like a block, whatever. I I've got my son and uh my it was my son and my brother-in-law went with me. Yeah. And like I literally almost left them because they weren't walking fast enough. I'm like, "Yo, come on, let's go." Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, York, like you can't people just You can't be lounging around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's a, it's, that's the environment I'm used to being in where you, you can actually walk to whatever. Like if I want to go to the grocery store, I can't walk to the grocery store, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I hear you. Like even in Cary, I had that Harris Teeter that was literally right down the street from my house. I had a food line before that, that turned into a Walmart, uh, neighborhood grocery that was even yeah. closer. And I remember one year, you can't walk there. Right. Like one year we got a bad snowstorm and we walked to the food line because we didn't have any food. And this was, I think our first year living at the house in Cary. And that was awful. That was a terrible experience. I mean, like, and I wouldn't yeah. do that. Like that was enough to convince me not to do that. Not in the snow. Like, <laughs> it wasn't going to be that much better when it wasn't in the snow. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's and like, for me, that's like, I'd rather walk or, you know, whatever but i don't think a car is like the it, it shouldn't be my primary mode of transportation but you know it is what it is but i i, I do love new york i do love you know um i love the idea that uh, uh the triangle is actually considering a rail i'm not sure if you you probably didn't know because but... i don't live there anymore so i don't care like it doesn't it doesn't affect me <laughs> so no i i had no idea but it's i'm rolling my eyes somewhat because it's like of course i move and now they're like oh yeah well maybe we'll put in a light rail system or something and all that. yeah and i was also looking at, at a train tickets right mm-hmm. now this is another thing that pissed, we talked about this a lot right like going like for, let's say for example to charlotte yeah um and I was like, well, forget Charlotte. What if I wanted to take a train to New York? It's it's about eight hours, whatever, give or take. And pr- provided I plan my trip, let's say, so my birthday is in September, and like the week or two after my I was like, well, let, let's see what happened. This is a week ago. The week of, if I would have planned it from that point to my birthday, granted my birthday is a holiday weekend, it was like as much as a plane ticket, like uh, two way. Mm-hmm. It was like three fifty. Yeah. Um, now, so I, if I backdated that, if I went like if I was doing the same exercise like three weeks earlier, it's like one twenty five two people round trip. That's not bad. I spent like uh, maybe one twenty in gas going to New York. I'm like, 
there i mean so for me it's like ah no brainer yeah i mean it becomes one of those things where it's like well there are ways to you know so for for me a light rail in raleigh or if they open if they figure out a way to get uh reliable public transportation yeah I'm all on it, dude. Like, I mean, I I would love it. You know, like we've talked about on the podcast before that, like, I still don't understand how it is that they don't have a rail system that runs from Wilmington, one of the largest ports in North Carolina, let alone the East Coast. It is the largest port in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, up to Raleigh, like the large one of, you right. know, and then on to Charlotte. Like, why would that not be something that you would want to be? And like, they have rail stations down here. They have, and they go up and down the coast. But they don't go inland. Right. And it's like, what is the point of that? Like, I would have loved to have been able to hop on a train and ride down to the beach for a day, right? Like, you could do a day yeah. trip, ride down in the morning, come back in the evening. You could do a weekend trip, right? Like, I mean, that would make things so much simpler. And think about, like, you're reducing the congestion on the roads, right? It's 65 bucks. Uh, like, uh, it was like three weeks out, two people round trip from Raleigh to Charlotte. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, all day, all day. Like, I won't even blink. I'm like, yeah, like, let's go to the station. Let's take an Uber to the station and we'll be back like tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. So hopefully the infrastructure bill provides for something. Now, granted, it'll take years to, to get the yeah the construction done. But, but if they can actually get the funding for it and start the projects, then, I mean, I, I'm all for it. You know, like I think... Yeah. We've we as a country have put so much on the backs of our road system, you know, and cars in terms of our infrastructure. And even that we've let crumble to a yeah. disgusting degree. And, you know, I know people are complaining about, well, the infrastructure bill is not really for infrastructure. If they're putting in high speed Internet. And I'm like, what part of the Internet do you not understand is infrastructure? Like infrastructure is not just roads and bridges like there's dams, there's railway, there's airports, there's like all of this stuff that's is your, the infrastructure your, of the country. Like electrical that's your, it's like that's your grandmother's like infrastructure. Yeah. Like I mean, we all freaked out on the East Coast because we can get gas in the southeast. Right? Yeah. Um and I and I get the argument so well partially on the uh the soft infrastructure. I, I kind of get that. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's a stretch. So when you say Please, soft I'm, infrastructure, just so I make, not for me, cause I know what you mean, but for everybody listening. So when they're talking about, uh, universal pre-K, when they're talking about, gotcha. you know, all these, I'm like, uh, that's more of education. And if you really want to make Republicans pissed off, tell them they don't support education. Right. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways you can spend that. And it goes back to what I keep stressing. Look, cue these bills up. Yeah. Like, cue them up. It, they're and going. Yes, they're swinging home for home runs. I mean, that's it's like we got to yep. get everything in one because God knows if we're ever going to have this chance again. And it's like, stop playing this stupid like chicken ball like just go out and do the things that you think need to be done and do them right like that's what you need to do if you guys would stop dicking around in washington and do those things like you might actually stand a chance at having a, a democratic you know controlled government <laughs> yeah forward. i mean it, the adage or, or the fact has been brought up so many times that republicans they play politics to win and democrats don't yeah and I think they're. I think that's true. I saw a uh, a Democratic uh, strategist 
uh, earlier in the week, and he mentioned something to that effect. I was like, well, he's not wrong, right? And But I think they keep chasing, and I'm not saying the filibuster's right, but it's not the hill I'm willing to die on. So if I'm playing chess and it's taking me six extra moves to position my pieces, I'm not going to waste another four moves to try or just have the hope of getting a checkmate. It's just it's just stupid chess. It's like, no, that doesn't work. Any like it's not worth it to me. I'd rather remove more pieces off the board and and play the game with strategy as opposed to, well, it took me eight moves just to get these positions, yeah. like eight more than my opponent, and now I'm going to go for the checkmate. No, idiot, you're already behind in the game. <laughs> like that's the that, and that's what the filibuster is. It, it has no. It's important. It's not mission critical. Uh, The better play is to change the board. Right. right? Like, and I I don't think Democrats understand that. It's like they want to go in for the kill um, just because it looks easier. And it just, or it looks more attainable. Yeah. Which I don't understand. Like how you think that that, that the, you know. Well, it's easier to to hit a home run than it is to get four singles. I mean, and maybe that's true. You know, maybe in baseball terms, like it's easier. Actually, it's not. I just did the math in my head. It's 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 totally I don't not. Watch like, so much baseball, so. <laughs> like I would rather like I'd rather get on base, right? Yeah. I'd rather get it. That's like yeah, I'd rather get on the, base. I would just as soon, right? If I was, if I'm at bat, I'd just as soon lay down a bunt to the third baseline and get on base at first as I would smack a home run, like, right? Or or strike out swinging for a home run, right? right? Like, because that's more I, likely where you're going to end up. If it's a two-three count, yeah. Like, you're prob like you're fifty-fifty everywhere you go, yeah. right? So the safe bet is to get on base. That's where the the Democrats have been on a 2-3 count for at least two decades, since Clinton. And they don't they don't have enough baseball players in, in Congress, I guess. Like no, I just... it's, yeah. I, maybe they have some other analogy that they would understand better than baseball. But yeah, I'm with you. Like It just seems like we're kind of sitting here watching them piss this whole two years away is what it feels like to me. You know, I mean, somebody, I was reading a headline today that was like, you know, Joe Biden has the worst week of his presidency this week because of everything that's been going on. And I, I don't agree that that is, you know, explicitly true, but um, it's also, we've talked about this before, like these stupid sensational clickbaity headlines that everybody has to write now, you know, like, I've tuned out of social, like I actually deleted, uh, and, I, and I didn't have Twitter, the, the official app on my phone, yeah. just the web app. And I took it off. I, I looked at it on yesterday and I just can't. I I, I have found I, myself I engaging. I mean, Twitter is one of those things where maybe, maybe once every two weeks, I'll think about like, oh, I guess I'll see what's on Twitter. It all depends on what's going on. There are some times where... I'm kind of curious. So, like, um, Sunday. Here, before we go into this. Sports. Ever so slightly. So, Sunday, I'm sitting there watching. I wasn't even watching yet, but um, 
the F1 Grand Prix in Hungary was running, right? And at the very first turn of the very first lap, Valtteri uh, Bottas, Lewis Hamilton's uh, Mercedes teammate, misjudges the braking in the rain, plows into the back of the McLaren, who plows into the Red Bull cars, and takes out Sergio Perez and heavily damages Max Verstappen's, the right side of his car. So then Jesus I'm like, what? It's like chaos, you know, to start the beginning of this race. Um, so then they had to red flag it. Uh, so I got on Twitter because I was trying to I wanted to see the video. Nobody had the video. The F1 channel didn't like their Twitter stream did not have video. They had still images and that was all they would show. And it must be whatever licensing agreement they have with right. the TV. But I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Then I'm watching this. So I turn on the TV. They wouldn't even show replays of it. It was still red flagged, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? All I want to do is see this crazy crash. That wasn't even, like, the best part of the race. That was one of the most insane F1 races, probably the most entertaining that I've watched. And all of a sudden, I've gotten into F1 lately. It was all about – so when I went to um, VIR with my dad and his buddy uh, for the motorcycle races, we were watching the – was it – drive to whatever drive to survive or whatever it is the f1 series that they Mm -hmm. have on netflix where it's every week they go basically behind the scenes and have interviews and all that and so we were watching some of that and like i started kind of just being like okay this is actually kind of interesting now like now that i'm understanding f1 is dynamics and all this stuff and i mean i'd I'd watched f1 previously when i was younger but i never got like that into it nascar was always kind of my my uh the thing that i understood or that we watched the most i guess as a family but now I've gotten like super heavy into F1 racing, and so I'm I am like <laughs> I I mean I am a little bit of a bandwagon fan. Like I I like Lewis Hamilton. I think he's a pretty cool dude. Um, you know, like Max Verstappen is the Dutch guy with Red Bull that's been coming on strong lately. But watching him drive, like he, guy is such an asshole out there. He basically expects everybody else to get out of his way. Like I'm here. This is my <laughs> space. And that was the whole thing last week at Silverstone in the British Grand Prix or two weeks ago, was him uh, and Lewis, who were racing, who were one and two in the points, and have been basically all season, uh, were racing hard in one turn, and everybody feels like Lewis Hamilton didn't give Max Verstappen enough room, Max Verstappen came down a little close, and Verstappen went out into the wall, 51 Gs, hitting the wall sideways, had to go to the hospital, he was okay, fortunately. But then everybody was all pissed off because Lewis Hamilton went on to win the race, even though they penalized him five uh, position points or five, you know, or no, they made him do a stop and go. I think they had like a 10 second stop and go penalty or something like that for for the accident. And he still went on to win the race and then was celebrating because he's at home in Britain. At the at Silverstone, racing the British Grand Prix, people right. are like, that's so unclassy, you know, like, you you wreck your opponent in the first lap, and then you're out celebrating, you didn't deserve that win, and it's just like, you watch that video over and over again, both of them could have given each other more room, neither one of them did, they're the two best racers, drivers, in the series right now, driving two of the best cars, and they both felt like, he's gonna blink, Right? That's what happens in racing. That's racing. Like it's, that's life. It's life yeah. exactly. And even Max Verstappen now has been like, it was great leading up to the race uh, this weekend. They had an interview. He's sitting there, and uh, him and Lewis Hamilton are on stage next to each other. And somebody's asking, you know, well, after Silverstone, what are we going to see if you guys get side by side? And the guy couldn't even finish the question. And Max is like, can we just cut this shit out? 
Like we've been answering this question since two weeks ago. Yes, we are both competitive drivers. And if we get side by side in this race, yes, you will see more competitive racing, but neither one of us is going to wreck the other person on purpose. And they were right. like, Oh, Lewis, you have anything to add? And he's like, Nope. <laughs> see, and I think like deep down, those guys are probably, I mean, they're not like best friends, you know, but I think there's, there, there is a level of mutual respect, respect. and admiration for yeah. the skill sets that they have. I mean, Lewis Hamilton has been an absolute beast in that series for seven years now. Like, yeah, he's like, I've only seen like a lot of highlights of him. He's a very skilled driver. And it's like, eh, look, it is what it is, yeah. you know. It, it, it's like, come on. Uh, I speaking of people that should not. Be, well, actually, there's. I'm going to contradict myself here. Do it. Um, <laughs> there's nothing I love so more we than a good old Andre Powell <laughs> contradiction. <laughs> we t we talked about Simone Biles, and last week I said, "Well, she's still in the individuals, and she pulled out of the individuals." Yep. Um, and then she came back to do the balance beam, which was the last event. Yeah, and, and, and won ice, bronze, right? Bronze, it's third place, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so we got to get into that now, too, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> well, that's how I was raised, man. Uh, thank my parents. So I actually um, had that conversation earlier this week, just about like America is Ricky Bobby when it comes to the Olympics. <laughs> if you ain't first or last, like we don't care if you're not winning gold, it doesn't matter. Like it's gold or nothing, baby. Which yeah, is part of I, our problem, I'm pretty sure. We're a little too Ricky Bobby here in America. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think that, and I said last week that where, where are her people at and, you know, to pull her off the ledge, blah, blah, blah. And I was confused about, well, why is she, why is she in the individuals, right? right? Um, I look at it, I, I think I kind, I kind of came down to it where when I left a company, I was I was at the top of my game. I'd rather leave on top as opposed to with my own internal struggles like get forced out of the game. Yeah. So I respect that. There was a UFC, uh, a former UFC fighter that made um, a point. This is my contradiction. Yeah. Where where they he took a shot across the bow of like where he he agreed with me saying that she believed her press, <laughs> but I don't think I liked it the way he said right. it. I was like. He's, he act to paraphrase. He said, uh, "Well, if she's gonna believe she's the goat, I mean, like she really believed she's the greatest of all time." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that probably wasn't helpful for right. her." You know, I, I mean, I think right, like there are, I mean, you got guys like Michael Jordan, right? Who even when he was playing, people were looking at him like, "This is the greatest basketball player that we've ever seen." You know, like. Um, there are those people who in the moment, right, I think are able to kind of embrace it. I think you saw, you know, like LeBron, right? Like he was considered not, I mean, it was always like, oh, is he the next MJ? Is he going to be better than MJ? All this stuff. And he dealt with that in his own way, right? I mean, like he tried to do it in Cleveland, couldn't get it done there, had to go to Miami, kind of learn how to, how a team is, you know, gets put together and what the pieces need to be and how he can kind of help to coordinate that. And now he's in this new role, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm going to bring in Russell Westbrook to come, <laughs> come hang out. I got to cover my, my flank. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, and I think, but it's one of those, right? Like, even MJ came back and played with the Wizards, right? Like, he didn't go out on top in that regard. You know, I think, yeah. like, for a lot of those guys, 
I mean, look at Tom Brady, right? Like, he could have retired, and now, granted, like, he's going to come back, and they're <laughs> probably the favorites to win the Super Bowl again. They're literally returning all 22 starters from last season. It is almost... But Tom is, Brady is... Is the GOAT. Is that... Yeah, unquestionably... But that's what, is, the thing with Simone Biles, right, is that she was doing things in those events that had that no one had ever even come close to attempting. But it doesn't doesn't make you the goat it makes you the it makes you the the trailblazer sure it that there's a complete difference in that uh i i think that i think and i believe there's a difference between being a trailblazer and being the greatest of all time yeah right um now i will say in another part of my contradiction because part a was i didn't like I guess I didn't like how what I said, basically, because somebody else said the same thing pretty much. I was like, <laughs> like maybe wait a second. I don't think I like that. The second part is like, um, I don't know what it's like to be or to to experience quote unquote twisties. Yeah. Right. So, it's probably not something you can validate, but it is something that you have to wonder as a, as a spectator. How do they keep their footing? Oh, I, I can tell you what that what that's like in like like a physical co- you know competition like fighting or something. I, like yeah, you've got to know. I can see a shoulder move. I can there. Yeah, you probably don't lose that. You probably don't lose your footing. Like those are, that becomes muscle memory. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it's like to be propelled in the air. And try to count how many times you twisted and turned. Yeah, having and, ha- and then like losing it, right? And not knowing, am I going to yeah. come down on my head? Am I going to come? I mean, was it somebody said that? Um, I think it was a former gymnast was saying like, basically, if anybody else had done what she did, where she pulled out and did less rotations and less twists on the vault but- than she intended. She was like, I, I would almost guarantee you that person would have blown out their knee. You know, like that. I, and not to say that, you know, like, oh, wow, you know, like she she is the goat because she, you know, but like. I, I'm with you and then I can't I can't. I mean, the idea of propelling myself through the air like that. Is fairly terrifying in and of itself, but then like, asking <laughs> me to like flip and twist and rotate and then land on my feet. You know, like after that is just I, I don't know. Um, it's a whole other question, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I will say, like, one of the things that I think has kind of bothered me here recently is the number of people that I have heard say something to the effect of, "Well, when I watched her in trials, she just didn't seem right. You know, something was but off." She, th- I've actually said that. See, and I don't like well, you. I for watched. It. No. <laughs> Well, well, come at me, dog. Well, <laughs> I watched I watched the trials, right? Yeah. And she was off. Like she was making like I we also watched part of the um the the last world games, right? Mm-hmm. She was very sure-footed and very like uh it's it's so different than when I watched my daughter do karate, right? Yeah. I knew when she was off. Yeah. Right? Because now you're making mistakes that you have practiced out of. Right. Like uh, my daughter's form, her foot placement, um, you know, how she would bring her arm back up and, and things like that. That's, and it wasn't a question of technique. It was a question of, no, those are practice moves you've done so many times. You don't make those mistakes. Right. 
Uh, there was a point when she was on the uh, the uneven bars where she missed, and I thought she was going to just like drop her body. She pulled her body back up, and with the strength in her legs and her torso, was able to complete the routine. I was like, God damn, she's strong. And so I guess just the- to clarify my comment, I don't have an issue with people like with everybody saying it right where i guess i find more issue are people who had a platform to maybe point it out previously and now feel like mm-hmm. oh well i knew something was up way back when but i didn't say anything kind of thing right like oh yeah I mean, yeah, like, yeah yeah you, know, you and i said me and my house yeah, doesn't matter exactly, right right yeah. like <laughs> the espn anchors and the people on the today show and stuff like that now who want to come out and be like well you know like, i didn't want to say anything at the time but it's just kind of like, well, why, why wouldn't you? Like, that's your job yeah. as a sports reporter, as a, as a journalist, right? Should be to report what's happening, not like, oh yeah, well, so, I mean, she's still the greatest, even though she made these mistakes. Like, okay. The the contradiction to that is that everybody, like the the UFC uh, the uh, fighter, said the media made her right. Yeah, right. Big, so they, big chunk of it, right? I mean, they, think about they it. They can't go back and you think yeah. NBC, right, is going to jump at the opportunity to say that Simone Biles might not look as great in this Olympics when all of their money that they put into having the Olympics on TV, right? right? Like, I mean, think about how many eyeballs they lost when she dropped out of the group competition and then the individuals. But they were already off because of the fact that yeah, but you, everything's like from, but, but yeah. still, right? It, it, like, yeah. yeah, like compounded then on top of that. Yeah, um, and and I say it as a as a parent, as somebody that's actually you know like our daughter had a chance to go to the Junior Olympics, and you know I'm not like a professional coach, but I'm an athlete, right? I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm an athlete, and you kind of you you may not know the 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 mechanics of every sport, but there are some fundamentals, yeah. right? And and you can tell when an athlete's off, and I I personally feel like she was off, like she doesn't have to try. Her, her worst is th- is a bronze in the Olympics. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So either that says the competition is they've got to try really hard, or she's just that damn good, right? Yeah. Um. And I could tell in the trial she was off, and I I told my wife, I'm like, she's off. There's something wrong with her. Like every event, there are mistakes where you know, even on the her floor exercise, I'm like. She started her her uh, rotation too early, and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "She's gonna land outside the line." And sure as shit, because she's got so much power. Yeah. She just was either she wasn't focused or there was something else that was just whatever it may have been. But I'm like, she's off. Um, so the I, other comment that I heard recently that I thought was kind of interesting was uh, Nadal Djokovic the tennis mm-hmm. player who was basically talking about like yeah that's pressure like you just got to deal with the pressure and then he goes out and loses his match and throws a freaking hissy fit chucking a racket up into the empty stands and smashing another one against the tennis net and it's like <laughs> um hypocrisy yeah much? i mean and like i get it like yeah we call him on it and everything it's not to say like i mean i'm he's not necessarily wrong right but i mean Personally, like I wouldn't be sitting there being like, oh, I'm getting ready to compete in the Olympics. So let me talk crap about this other Olympic performer not performing under stress. Like that just seems like karma <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> where it's like, 
You know, you didn't have to say anything. You could have said, hey, man, you know, it happens to some people. And, you know, I hate it for her, but she's been a great competitor, blah, 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 whatever. You know, like, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but there's a million other things you could have said. And instead, it felt like he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, some of us deal with pressure. Some of us don't. But he's not, again, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. The messenger may be flowing, but the message isn't. He's not wrong. I mean, I, like I, you know, there are certain areas in my life where, um, the pressure's overwhelming. Right. And it gets to a point of like, I have two options. I can like, or three manage this stress out or get depressed. Right. Um, you can do two of those three. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, why are you making I had to me think do about math, my own... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But there, there's, you know, um, if you're a parent, right, you probably know what Simone Biles feels like, right? There's the, the world's watching me, the weight of the world's on me, you know, and there's so much pressure and she probably doesn't have anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Got it. Right. Um, if you're married, you probably know what Simone Biles felt like, right? They're, those same, those scenarios happen across the board, not just in athletics yeah. or, or sport. It's just that, as I said before, and I still think it holds true, your people got to pull you off the ledge. Yeah. Surround yourself with better people. Somebody should say, you're not good. Um, and that's, that's my message. It's like, hey, I'm glad she's making it through it. I would also say that, you know, your people have got to, and when I like not your employees, but your, the people that you love and care about trust and you're honest with should feel okay with saying, Hey, you're not good right now. And this is why I think you're not good. And that did not happen. Um, I mean, and and yeah, like I think, you know, she put a lot of that pressure on herself too. Right. I think like to kind of lead the U S team and there's been a lot of talk about all of the, you know, the Larry Nassar, expectations, uh, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff and her kind of carrying a lot of that for those victims, which I, you know, like I get, um, but we don't know that. Right. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I think. I, that's speculation. speculation. And that's exactly where I was going to go with it. So I thank you because it is, it is frustrating sometimes to hear other people try to speculate on exactly what it is. You know, it's like, right. It, it should be enough to say, this is, in her world, like the highest level of competition that she's going to compete at, the expectations for her were to basically, you know, win gold across the board and to take USA team USA to the gold medal in the team competition. And like, that's enough. I mean, that's enough pressure in my mind to, I mean, like I would struggle with that personally. I think like if I were in that position, I'm not, I'm not saying you would. I'm saying me personally. <laughs> no, I. But I think at the same time, it's like um, Megan Rapinoe, right? Yeah. Like they lost to Canada. Yeah. I mean, really? That's an upset. Really, Canada? No, but it's an upset. Yeah, but if you lose against the same team, that it's like I always say about those uh, those, those breakout quarterbacks. Yeah. Let me watch enough tape. Yeah. U.S. and this is not a critique on their on their on their lineup, but it's like maybe you should have changed the lineup. Maybe they were expecting way too much from you. There's a lot of things where you can you can look back 
in hindsight and probably the upset's not that big of a deal right. because it's kind of like, yeah, how many times is Canada going to lose against the same freaking squad? Right. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, the, like the law of, of averages, the law averages. of probability <laughs> states that at some point they're going to win one, right? And like, yeah, it yeah. kind of sucks that it happened in the semifinal game where the U.S. was going, you know, theoretically to go play for the gold. But yeah, like I just, I don't know. I, I But their first their first set was when they lost their first round. Yeah. I knew they weren't going to go yep. to. I was, I was with you on that. Like it, when they lost early on, it was kind of like, okay, this is different for them, right? This is a different experience, and I don't, I don't imagine that they're going to be able to necessarily bounce back from that as well as other people think that they, they might, right? I mean, yeah, you saw the a one zero loss. With, um, the men's basketball team, you know, like yeah, I mean, they struggled early on, and it was like, oh, they're going to get reinforcements. They're going to have these guys coming, and it's just kind of like, it's just. I, I don't know. I mean, you got like France, Argentina, Spain. They aren't jokes. Yeah. Like they're literally not jokes. Like like for the men's basketball team, they you have to understand like a quarter of most of those teams play in the NBA. They know your secrets. Like you're not, you're not like tricking them to like. There's no tomfoolery going on. Yeah. Um, well, and then I I don't know. I mean. What are your thoughts? And I think we've maybe touched on this before, but the actual, like the game in the NBA at this point, like it's garbage. Yeah. We don't play basketball. Right. Anymore. I mean, it's basically just shoot arounds is what it feels like, yeah. you know? And it's not that I want to go back to like the mid to late nineties of clog the lane, beat the crap out of the guy driving down. But I feel like there's gotta be some middle ground. I mean, it's like it's college basketball. At this point, if you're not jacking up threes, there's no point in taking or, or like a, a clear slam dunk layup to the lane. Like there's no point in taking any other shot. You know, it's it's co college basketball is the last bastion of hope, in my opinion. I for can't. This. I don't even enjoy watching college basketball that much anymore. You're full of crap. When you watch like an East Coast team play a Midwest team, it's a different game, right? The West Coast basketball that that keeps winning championships has not dominated college basketball yet because it doesn't exist. Like well, right. West Coast basketball. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You right? don't have the same level so, of shooters in college that you do at the pro level, I think is part of it. Right. Well, well that's part. That's part of it, but you have to play the game that the coach designs in college, not necessarily in the NBA. You think in the NBA players are more – or is it just that the coaches allow more freedom at the NBA level than they yeah. do at the college level? Yeah. I mean, do you think that's part of the reason that like Roy bailed is because he feels like college is moving towards what the NBA is? That's a, I think that's part of it. And I also think that he's ready just to do something. Well, yeah. Else. And I, you know, we yeah. were just talking about going out on top. Right. And not that they yeah. won a championship the year before, but like Roy's Roy didn't need to go enough. win anymore. Right. Like <laughs> it, it, He's already one of Coach, the best. Coach K's retiring, yeah. right? It's like, I mean, thank God. All right. Finally, NC State's going to have a <laughs> shot here, ladies and gentlemen. Not really. It's, we're going to screw the it up. Gonna, yeah, it's going to be the it's going to be the Carolina. You conference. know what's going to happen is, so like, yeah, Duke and Carolina, they'll hire head coaches, and then the like the whole Adidas thing. The NCAA is just going to be like, no, we're actually just going to eliminate the men's basketball program at NC State. If you guys can't have <laughs> basketball anymore. Um, 
I was cracking up because I was sitting here a few weeks ago listening to the Bamani Jones uh, podcast, and he you know, on Fridays he gets Dominique Foxworth. They do Foxworth Fridays, which is one of my favorites. And Dominique used to play at Maryland when he so right. he knows NC State. You know, Bomani went to Carolina, so he knows NC State. They spent a solid like ten or fifteen minutes talking about what happened to NC State. Like it was one of the best. I mean, it was best and and worst at the same time because they were so damn right. They were like NC State when they won the championship in '83 had as many championships as Carolina and two more than Duke. Duke hadn't even won a national right. championship at that point. But what happened in the 90s when college basketball blew up on the television, NC State was nowhere to be found because they had been they had punished themselves into oblivion, essentially, at that point. Based on what? Based on the scandal with Valvano that on the selling of sneakers and tickets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing. But that, that, Where that's they didn't a, that even find up. actual violations, right? This was all Yeah, that goes under the bridge. It does. I mean, I get that. But it was just interesting because I had never really thought about it in terms of that, right? That, like, NC State I, it, as a brand. I it's, a, it's a moot point. Why is it's, it a it's moot more so, point? It's the coach. Valvano had a lot of love. He did. People love, people love Valvano. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I could have rocked with Valvano if, like, they could, you know, if he had as much swagger as Dean Smith. And remember, when I got into college basketball, yeah. it wasn't because I knew that I, I wasn't a college basketball fan. It was just right. because we moved here, and I'm like, oh, this this team is consistent. You got Rick Fox, you got you know all these I'm like, yo, this is they're I mean, dope. And like Dean Smith uh, did stuff that you know, I mean, like he was the one who basically was like ACC. You guys got to integrate, right? I mean, like, he mm -hmm. was the one who was taking his basketball players out to fancy dinners and having everybody else be like, you got a problem with this? Like, yeah. this kid's going like, to help you win a championship. Why are you staring at him, right? He, he had so much swag. It was like yeah. you, you you believed in that coach. Like, And I think he's like, as far as a leadership role, he's a personification of leadership. Yeah. Valvano, like, he wasn't at that level. They haven't had a coach in recent history that has defined their program. I the, no, I mean, I, the I scandal, don't disagree. The scandal is like, uh, I, I think it's garbage. Well, I th the scandals, okay. I don't The only thing I will say, right, is that the scandal is what ultimately led to them having to get rid of Valvano. And I do think that if, that if Jimmy V had stayed longer, not, I'm no, not, that's not saying true because that he's on the same level. They support level. all – they. They support all the cancer runs. That's why uh, I, uh, I call but it BS. That's on only it. now. Yeah, because After it's it's, it's either it's either a gimmick or it's truth, right? And I think it's it's as much gimmick as it is anything else for NC State. And then that then I mean, and I hate bad on NC I mean, State. Trust me, like I agree. I hate it. Like it it pisses me off that they basically left him for dead, and then we're like, oh, you got cancer? Come back. We love you now. That's that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's either a fact. Or it's, or it's a gimmick, and I, I, I would hate. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one, and that's right? fine. I mean, I'm saying like as, as the alumnus, I, and like you know, I have two kids that graduated know, from state. My my daughter's not, going to I'm state. Not I'm saying a, that you I'm a, don't like state. I'm just saying like I'm the dude who roots for them every single time they play, no matter who they're playing. Oh, okay, I'll give you that. But I, I will. <laughs> 
dude, I love you. You know this. And I love that. This is why I love talking with you is because these are the conversations that we have and we can disagree about this, but it's in a, it's in, it's all in fun. Like, cause ultimately what does it matter? Right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't like matter. at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm going to go to sleep. But I think stay can get their act together. I think their problem is not, it was never the scandal. It was just the fact they don't, they've never gotten somebody to lead their program. That's it. I, I mean, I just why don't a, see why. Why is the women's basketball team so competitive? Why is their baseball team so competitive? Why is their, their uh, men's and women's soccer team so competitive, right? Every other sport, State, basically, uh, except for men's basketball and football. Right. It's not, it's not I know, a... But I don't get it. That's what I can't figure out. I mean, I, I'm struggling too, man. And I know, like, look, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, right? I You go back and look at football, right? We start with Chuck Amato. Yeah, they're football. Right? She, yeah. Chuck Amato. These people are ride or die for Amato. Yeah, they still are. The whole... F- there are people who still Just love saying. Chuck Amato. Not, not that they wanted him to still be coach, right? I think most people agree, like, nah, it's kind of time to move on from that. But to be <laughs> able to steal somebody from Florida State, right, who was also right. an NC State alum and who brought that level of swagger with him... Like that was what NC State needed in that moment, and what did what did Chuck Amato do? He helped to define the program by by building the top football facility in the country at the time. Right, the Wendell Murphy right. Center was the number one football facility in the country at the time, and he was the one who made that happen. That was never going to happen without him coming in and saying, "You guys want to beat Florida State? You got to spend money like Florida State." And State struggles with that. They struggle mightily. Right? I mean, like Dave Doran, I like the guy, right? I don't know that he's the head coach that takes you to national championships. I don't see that. I see him as I can win eight games most years. I might win ten, right? I, I might, might win the win ACC tournaments. But No, he he might consistently win in the ACC, right? Yeah. That's all that's and the I'm North Carolina problem. Like I'm okay with that, honestly. See, but you're but that's that's your problem. You're okay with I'm like I'm okay with that for now just, because everything else has been garbage before this. Like I I want some no, level This is my of problem with North Carolina. This is you no, just this is my said problem. It, the, the Carolina Yeah, but North Carolina North Carolina North Carolina fans have this I want to win in my region mentality. Right, it, which is the Do you think state fans don't want to win. We would sell our souls. You settle. For you wins, settle. Like we have been told fans, that nothing better than what we have now is what we should expect. Chris, people in this state they settle for like regional wins. Alabama, they right. they Alabama, think. But, what, but you we, think Alabama doesn't care no, about but, losing to Auburn? They, they don't do. because they know like their 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 eyes are set on the national wins. I think that is that that is a major malfunction of North Carolina, like the state fans of the of the schools in the state. They settle on the local rivalries way too much, and I think that is a that's the type of coach you recruit. Hey, Chris, we'll hire you. We we just want to beat. We want to beat Carolina two games. We want to beat Duke two games because that's on their schedule. That's on their schedule. Tom O'Brien was going to get you a win against Carolina every year except for his last year, and that's what got him fired, right? To some degree. But you see my point. Because Debbie Yao had come in, and she didn't really like Tom O'Brien all that much. Yeah, but Debbie Yao is a great coach. uh, Doesn't matter. Trust me, Debbie Yao was probably the best thing that's happened to NC State sports since Jim Valvano got kicked out. Like without a doubt. So my point being, it still proves my point. 
Like the, it's a regional focus. It's not about a national. But I don't program. feel like that was the goal with Keats. The goal with hiring Keats wasn't go beat Carolina and Duke. It was like they were trying to look for. I mean, Debbie Yao in that case was looking for somebody who was going to come in and define the program with a style, right? And that was what she felt like she had in Keats because he had this four guard, one you know big system and it was all about getting up and down the court we're going to play tough defense we're going to play full court yeah but defense. it doesn't translate to the it doesn't translate to the midwest teams right so when you look at roy yeah right where did roy come from the midwest the midwest right? the issue with the, with carolina was you would bite your nails when carolina played what teams a midwest but team. why would you worry about Kansas? playing a midwest team if that's what he knows i'm saying like no the it so with with uh with dean yeah. Every time Carolina played, it was like, we're good until we get to Kansas. We're good until we get, get to Kentucky. We're good until Indiana. It, that was the – the rivals weren't really in the, in the ACC or, or on the East Coast, right? Carolina could compete up and down the East Coast. Could not compete very consistently in the Midwest. Like UCLA, not a problem. Uh, Cal, not a problem. Uh, UNLV, not a problem. They could hold their own against those so teams. State. It was all with Valvano, yeah. not with anybody no. else. Though that's the, that's my point. Well, you so said Valvano, Valvano wasn't the guy either. No, I did not. I said Valvano. <laughs> that's that's after Valvano. After Valvano, look at the recruitment of State. Yeah. Right. So every replacement after Valvano was more about how do we. St- how do we stand in the ACC? How do we stand in the South? I mean, Southeast? Valvano's immediate replacement was about how do we how do we write the ship? How do we make this look good? And so they got Les Robinson in there, which was a disaster. And then it was Herb Sendek, right? Um, right. Who was what? He was a God, what coaching tree did he come from? He he was a second. He was an assistant coach. No, he wasn't at state. He wasn't even a. No, but he was a head coach somewhere. Wherever oh he no, came you're from, right. Though. He was an assistant coach wherever he came from. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so my that it all I'm saying is like state we, if they, they want to fix it. Their... The last ten years as the bottom dweller of the ACC basketball program, let alone the yeah, country. Yeah, they always went to. Yeah, NIT. They right. were like they we were, were lucky to it. get in the NIT at that point. With my Les my Robinson. point my point being my point being is if you look at like how if you look at succession plans from other sure. programs, right? It's never really about the regional wins. If you look at uh, the, the the top performing football teams in college, it's not about regional wins. Yeah, you can have your local rivalries all day. It's not about that though. It's about how do we perform in the national. But stage. how do you and perform on the national st- stage, which you can't beat the only the own people in your conference? Like you have to win Doesn't inside matter. your own conference it's a, before you go outside of the conference. I mean, if you want to get to the NCAA no, tournament. You gotta. You those gotta are the reps. Win your conference, yeah. Like, but those are the reps. The reps are like, the reps are basically like, okay, can I can I win in my neighborhood? That's a green. That's like that's like day one. But that's step, not. Right? I mean, like, I, but you're preparing. But that's what we weren't I, if doing I could, that. Like, so that's what I'm saying is that like they looked at it and said, all right, well, we got to figure out how we do that first before we start. Like again, we're we are looking for singles here, not home runs. Or the question could be, okay. We're trying to beat Carolina. Carolina struggles with Kentucky. So how do we beat Kentucky? We tried to hire John we Calipari. Can... We had the – no, 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 no. I am serious. We were this close to hiring John Calipari after Herb Sendek left. But because – you want to talk about leadership. Oh, buddy, can I go on about some inept leadership in the sports department? Lee Fowler was the <laughs> worst 
thing to ever happen to <laughs> NC State sports. That guy had no job being the sports, uh, whatever, or the athletic director. He literally lowballed both Rick Barnes, who would have come from Texas at the time, and Calipari, who had just won the national championship in Memphis. Now, granted, the national championship in Memphis got taken away from him, and I'm not saying that I wanted Calipari, right? Like, yeah, because Texas is not a real. Well, program. and I, I didn't really want Rick Barnes either, but I'm just saying, like, who did we end up hiring? Sydney fucking Low. But, but do you see? My, but at some level, you're kind of proving my I don't point. See how you're literally, <laughs> it, <laughs> right? It's not about if I can beat my my local competitors' biggest problems. I can win a national championship, and I think that's where state went wrong. I mean, maybe I don't I still give... just think. I mean, you look at like the ten years that we had Herb Sendek. The first five were garbage. The second five, it was like, you know, he. But the 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 games he was winning were games that he really needed to win. That's that's my point. Sure, but right part of the deal. And I'm not disagreeing with you here in terms of the mindset of state fans. Right, state fans believe you got to beat Carolina and Duke. Right, but that's the wrong. But, that's the a wrong opponent. The problem with Sendek was he wasn't winning the other games either at the end, right? Like, and and I I I'm not a big Herb Sendek fan in general. I didn't love like when Princeton doesn't run the Princeton offense anymore. Maybe you shouldn't run it either. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> but Princeton is not even like right. Exactly. It's not like you're stealing from UCLA or UNLV, like any of these teams that actually did anything. We're gonna just go way back, right. and we're gonna have. I mean, it's, great. God, it's so hard because there are players that I love from those years, like Cam Betterman, Marcus Melvin. Like there are guys who I just like. I love, and they probably wouldn't have come. Julius Hodge. I mean, like Julius Hodge. Right. That guy is still one of my favorite NC State guys of all time, right? And I hated that, you know, like everything that happened with him afterwards where he got drafted by Denver and then he got shot like randomly in the leg. And that was basically right. the end of his professional career. But it was just like that guy. My, po my point being, if you're going to if you're going to try to build a, or rebuild a program. So NC State, if you're listening and you want to hire me, I don't have to be a just coach. A consultant. I probably can't. Do, just a consultant. You're, you're playing local. Like I would be eyeing. I would look at the teams that my my top competitors struggle with, and I would be trying to build a program that can beat those people. I guess because I, if I'm folk, I don't know. I mean, you're you're. Sh Go ahead. It's but it makes sense. I, I had this thought the other day because I'm you know with all of um there's the news that Texas and Oklahoma right are going to the SEC now. You heard about that, right? Yeah, I I, you know what? <laughs> you're gonna, you're about to do some editing. The SEC. Yeah. That, that is like the that is not a conference anymore. It's a money yeah. grab, kind of like uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. They're a money grab. Um, it's kind of like like they play both sides of the fence. Like I'm super pissed that. Well, I, I don't want to get into that. The conferences are weak. Yeah. Like I think every conference we have that's in the NCAA is weak. It has nothing to do with the the athletes. Nope. Has nothing nothing to do with the programs anymore at the schools. It's all about how can we keep slicing this pie up and make the most. It was money. Maryland going to the Big Ten for more money, right? Ten, ten, yeah. 15, twelve years ago, and basically pissing on the rest of the ACC and saying tradition, none of that stuff matters. You know, 
we don't care. All we want is more money. What has Maryland done since then? Gotten their freaking asses handed they, to them regularly. They've been tanked right? every since year. Um, Texas A&M leaving the Big 12 or whatever and going to... I thought it was a Pac-12. Oh, I thought they were part of the Big 12 with Texas. You you might might be right, yeah. what was previously the Southwestern Conference, right, basically, um, they left to go to the SEC. Now they're like, no, we can't let Texas in because then there'll be a second school from Texas. And Texas is the only unique thing about us. (laughs) So I think Texas A&M's argument. Um, But yeah, it's... um, I, I don't know. It's what it made me think is do I want to be what I rather as NC State, right? Would I rather be mm-hmm. the the doormat for a conference like the SEC or would I rather be the champion of a smaller conference where not that I know I can win, right? Not like I'm going to go play in the, you know, conference usa sort of thing but where i feel like the schools around me are on an on an equal competitive level right where i i just i don't know i mean like me personally i'd almost rather just say fuck it let's go win let's go win somewhere i I would rather say make the conferences regional like geographically that's over now that's not it should, but it shouldn't but be. It should go back. back to that. There's no way. What uh, what I almost what what I kind of see happening, right, is that the SEC is basically going to become a super league in the football sense, right? Like or like a like the Premier League in in soccer. No, not in like the relegation that, that, first, manner, right? But first, first of all, the Premier League sucks. Okay. Well, and I think the SEC is going to suck when they're done with this. But it's basically like we're oh, yeah. gonna pull in anybody that that we feel right helps bring money to this pot, right? It's not necessarily about right. being the best football teams, right? But who's got the most to bring financially, and then they'll get to twenty twenty four teams, maybe thirty two, right? Which is stupid for one conference, and then they're just gonna kind of go off and do their own thing, and they're because the NCAA is essentially at this point after name, image, image and likeness has said. We don't even know what to do anymore. You guys figure it out. Well, I think the NCAA is a uh, BS organization yeah, in the first it's place. A fucking fraud is what it is. The yeah. idea that so, you have your own member institutions policing themselves is stupid. Like, why do we need prison guards? Just put prison prisoners in charge. Let them police themselves, right? Why do we need policemen? Just let the citizens police themselves. That's basically the NCAA's motto here. We trust you to break the rules and then get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's all a. Uh... Oh, sorry. You can probably tell that I am a little bit invested in this topic. Like I just, I I am, but I'm not at the same I, time. It's kind of like, yeah. it, it's like at the end of the day, I think with uh, when it comes to football. Um, they're going to eat themselves alive. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's the path they want to go down and, you know, have at it. I'm not going to chase you down to say, stay off the ledge. Yeah. Uh, with other sports, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I mean, football is a, it's football is a big money. It is, right. And that's, they're hoping that that big money grab ultimately pays off for all of the other expenses that they're going to have to incur. It, it won't. won't. Right. And that's the whole thing. Like people have been arguing, even with the ACC, when they brought in Syracuse and um, Boston God, I college. Fucking, yeah, I, I know. 
Virginia Tech, God. Miami, and then Notre Dame to some degree, right? Like even Notre Dame sitting here being like, well, now we got to send our swim teams to South Bend, Indiana, right? Which yeah. is nowhere near any other school that's in the conference. I mean, you can't even really call it the Atlantic Coast Conference anymore. <laughs> Notre, Notre Dame should go back to wherever they came from. Yeah. And they only did it for the basketball play because they couldn't get recruits. Right. That's that's my the honest opinion. The fact that the ACC and freaking what's his name? Um, God, I hate him. He's a former uh, UNC athletic director. Jim Swafford. That, that's the only reason. No, he's not the only reason I hate him. It's also because I think he's one of the worst leaders in college sports. I think he made some of the worst decisions here recently. It's not, and it's not, I, look, there is a little bit, yes, there's part of me that doesn't like him because I think that he has been, He, I think he 90%. plays favorites with his own home program. I don't understand how you, again, right? Like, I wouldn't want Debbie Yao appointed, well, okay, I would, but I would understand why other schools would be like, yeah, you can't have a former AD from your school that's now in charge of all of the schools. That seems like a little bit of... Why? Because all of this college athletic shit is just so incestuous. <laughs> See, but I, I I think state can fix their problem because they have they only have one program that struggles, like consistently struggles. The football program, yeah, I'll tell you this. Football, I, I mean, I'm with you. Like, fo- I, I am fine to basically leave football alone right now. Like, yeah, I, I'm so I think state's problem with basketball. It's not. It's not the players it's not they just gotta like There's, get the right head yeah, coach I, look, I, I, I like they, Kevin they, Keats a lot right like I like him as as uh, from what I have seen of him in press conferences and stuff like I like the way that he carries himself I think that he is a good basketball mind I don't know that he has the experience yet to necessarily understand all of the things that he needs to do in that role but I'm also at the point now where it's like man if we get rid of Kevin Keats who is going to come here who are you going to hire to replace him? Why, but why are you making it zero sum? That's stupid. Because ultimately, like, because you have to fill that void. You can't just fire somebody and have nobody running the basketball program. But I, so what I propose is basically a course correction, okay. right? If state stops focusing on how do we recruit to beat Carolina or Duke, they're fine. So they you are, think state's solution should basically be to go hire a Midwest coach. But yeah. the problem is you can't recruit the Midwest players that you do necessarily. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. You, you sure as shit can. Because at the at the end of the day, those athletes, at, they understand there is a less than 1% chance of going to the uh, NBA. And they want to get a good education. I disagree right? wholeheartedly with that statement. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm being a little bit naive, right? I just, I mean, I think. But you get, no, you get I, the exposure. I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Like, and and I, there's an element to of that, yes, that I think does play into it. But I think what you see now with the transfers, right, with kids, uh, the transfers, yeah, where the, kids go somewhere, and it's like I didn't get enough playing time this year, so I'm going to transfer out. Right, I'm not willing to sit two years on the bench to play my two years or my three years 
you know, down the road. It's there's that has basically gone out the door. And now it's all just like me, 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 me. I want to be starting when I get there. You know, how do you help me get to the league? Everybody, you know, I'm good enough to play in the NBA and it's your fault if I don't get there, basically. But the variable that, that people keep forgetting about is that now we're recruiting from high school. Stop yeah, that. I, I, like I'll, across all sports, stop doing that. It should be like freaking start in middle school, uh, elementary school, really. <laughs> like, you know what? Just go to the hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> but you see my yeah. point? Like the NBA is not helping the argument. The the uh, AAU is not helping. No, the I mean, yeah. Like, there, there's a lot of things where, like, if you eliminate those distractions, those students, those athletes understand that. Hey, even even if you go to the pros, you might be benched. You might get hurt. What do you fall back on? There, there's a lot of there's a lot of context to the problem that we still haven't fixed. No, yet. and you're absolutely right. And that that like, you and I are probably sitting here treating symptoms more than root causes in some degree in right. this conversation. Um, and I mean, name, image, image and likeness, right? It was one of those things where it came out and everybody was like, oh, the NCAA finally did something right. And it's like, are you kidding me? No, they, they didn't. didn't do anything. They had to have a court tell them that they couldn't restrict this anymore. That's what yeah. they did. And they said, OK, we'll comply with the court order now that you're forcing us to do this. But please beware, we still don't like this very much. Like, right. <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of things where you're, you're kind of like. And even that is up in the air because is it is it if they're playing if they're not playing what 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 is the well, and then you, what are the bounds you had the deal at what are at the bounds? Miami right where they basically said um, because the schools still can't pay the players right but right. what they did was they had the football team basically agree to some you know name image likeness deal but the school takes all of that money and puts it into a pot that they can then choose to distribute on a regular basis to athletes of different sports. That is, so their payroll, literally, like that's how they're right. funding. And that's what this is turning into, right? Is it's going to be more or less in that sense, a pay for play, which I don't care. Pay these guys, pay them. I don't care. It's not going to ruin the game. If they're making money off of this, I don't see how that's possible. So, but then you extend a potential like non-quarterback, basically quarterback, seven-year career for a quarterback, typically, okay. right? You, so you take a three to four-year career, and you, you've extended to eight because of college. Okay, right. You 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 made it completely more complicated than what it has. So, to but be. in that case, and you're so, saying the NFL should be drafting directly from high school. No, I'm saying like. So if I can get paid in college, yeah. and I think that I think the students should get paid yeah. for that, right? Because the schools are making millions it's of ridiculous. dollars, right? I can get hurt my sophomore year, and I'm done. Sure. What's what's my guarantee for an education? Right. Well, okay. So personally, what I would love to see, right, is that that fixed. And I think it's one of the things that I do really appreciate about NC State that I think they do a pretty good job of generally is with their athletes. If a, if a student athlete is injured to the point where they can't play anymore, they, they have consistently extended their scholarship offer to them regardless, right? And allowed them to finish their education, even though they're not playing anymore and they're not able to play. But I know that that doesn't happen at all schools, right? There is no guarantee right. at that point. I think it happens to Carolina. Yeah, I think Carolina is right. another one who does a really good job with that. And that's yeah. 
just to be clear. But you see yeah. my point there, right? Like, so I'm I'm saying like, there's a lot of other stuff not, that needs to get fixed too, right? Yeah, the the context of that problem is more so than which conference, which you know, which pay for play or whatever yeah. it is. It's like, look, first of all, they're not commodities. Like they're 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 kids that are really really good. They're better than like eighty percent of the other people around them. They got a scholarship. They may not be as good as the one percent that get drafted. Yeah. They're not gonna even if they get drafted, they they may not be better than the uh the the top ninety percent of people that that get playtime. Like what do they fall back on? So the whole system itself is like broken at at different stages. So my argument is basically like, yeah, like what I would fix as far as like if you're a fan in a, a major sports state, right? And there's we have quite a handful mm -hmm. of them. We have, we have regions that are like, they're machines, but we're chewing people up and spitting them out. I couldn't tell you the, the second string power forward for Carolina five years ago. Couldn't tell you his name. You, you can either, you can do it for state. Malik abdul -Abu. That is impressive. <laughs> I don't what know. is he doing? He's like oh, that. That that might be racist. No, it's <laughs> like, not. He's like no, made up like I, I, I'm thinking of a specific player. I'm thinking back about five years, and I'm thinking he was probably a because I think he was a freshman at the time, so he was probably. But then he he became the starter later on, which is part of the reason that I know him. And you know, okay, um, right? But so like, go one step beyond him, right? That's that's the problem. It's like. Sport is good when the, there's a benefit. Yeah. If it's there's no benefit to both parties, it's not good. Yeah. It becomes a machine. I, I, mean, I agree. So, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that, right? And and that is a big part of it that, that needs to be fixed, right? I mean, that's where right. these schools raking in millions and millions and spending it so they can basically say, oh, we don't have any money to pay the players is a total crock. I mean, it's... Right, you know, like I've walked through NC State's practice facility at NC. At I get State. emails now. My daughter has seen yeah. like, and they're already asking you for step, money. They're asking me yeah. for money. I'm like, God, it's one of my damn. favorite bits from John Mulaney, uh, one of his standups <laughs> where he's talking about like he got a letter from his from his college that was like, you know, we haven't seen you in a while. Give us some money. <laughs> like, uh, I already gave you a hundred and twenty thousand dollars and you spent it already <laughs> like, what kind of crackhead organization are you running over here and you ask me for more money <laughs> that's hilarious but it looks like my daughter hasn't even like stepped foot yeah, on the campus to, to like live there that's and i'm like yo like you guys are you're, you're taking all my pennies right now or a lot of them and it's like what yeah. So that those are things I think about. It's like, look, and I'll be honest, like as a person that loves to watch any given sport, right? I'm torn between my my one of my drugs of choice, you know, uh, competition, mm -hmm. and being a parent or being a, being an actual adult or being a person that understands business. You can only like so the uh, you know Aesop's fable of the golden goose, right? If you don't feed the goose, 
it eventually dies and you spin all the eggs like you have all the golden eggs and, and you bought like everything new and the goose dies what do you, what do you do next and it's a it's it's Pawn kind shop. of a level of sustainability yeah <laughs> right <laughs> so i think american sport is is it's especially in the college and high school yeah, realm we're killing the golden goose right we have been for a long we, time now yeah and it's just like what do you like, but well, even at the professional levels, right? I mean, like they've they've put those guys with all the CTE stuff in in the NFL. Yeah. And they're like, fuck it, just send them out there, let them go get hit some more. What do we care? We're going to replace them in two years anyways, right? I don't care if he goes home and kills his whole family. I mean, that's the kind of shit yeah. that we're ending up with now because you had a heartless organization who basically said these guys are interchangeable. It doesn't matter. And that's exactly how college is looking at it too, right? I mean, like, especially the big programs. You're telling me Alabama gives a crap about whoever their quarterback is? No. They got 15 yeah. more guys lined up waiting to take that job. Like, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'll am i be 45 this year, and, like, my shoulder in injury doesn't seem to be getting yeah. better, right? Like, and I was thinking about it today as I was, uh, as I was working, and I was trying to move my arm. I'm like... I can't imagine if I played football throughout like just, you know, five years longer, I'd be dead. <laughs> I would be like in the fetal position crying in my office like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> like these we're putting our kids through this without any type of compensation, without any type of regard for um, their future, without any type of anything. Yeah. And and. And go ahead. It just blows my it blows my mind. I I don't have words. I for get it. really frustrated when you see the parents that are pushing the kids to do it too, right? Where it's like this is this is your chance. This is this is our opportunity as a family, you know, to do something good and to make some money. And so you need hold to those parents. Yeah, I you. mean, a big double fuck you from the Chris and Andre show. Um, if you're listening, yeah, please I, continue I to listen because we'll continue to insult you, but. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I, I, um, my kids are successful in their own right. And as a parent, I, I want them to be happy for themselves and to find joy in life for themselves. Not, not for me, yeah. you know, like I've, I've had my opportunities and I will continue to have opportunities to do things well for myself, yeah. but I don't expect my kids to, uh, provide for me later on now i i actually watched uh patriot act with, with uh oh uh, yeah <laughs> dude when you're talking about uh retirement mm -hmm. and how that's like a myth and i'm not gonna knock on my asian and hispanic brothers and sisters like and i get it or my pretty much immigrants right where he's like my dad was asking i asked my dad about my retirement plan he goes hassan you're my retirement plan <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i'm like I would, I could never, no, I laughed. I don't see myself ever expecting that of my children. No, it's a, now, it's a weird thing, honestly. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like it, it happens a lot in the baby, baby boomer generation too, right? That time period. Yeah. You know, not necessarily just here in the United States, but I mean, like there is an element of that in in my parents, I think, like not not so much like you better be in position to support us. But like, hey, like there might become a time where you know 
we might need a little bit of help. Um, and granted, like my parents have always been very forthcoming with help on my end as well. And so it's, it's, right. I've always looked at it very much as like a two way street. Um, but you know, I, I think back to like when I was younger, you know, there were times where my dad was like really excited about me getting into golf because he looked at it oh. as like, man, you get to play oh, a game God. for a living, right? Like, these guys get to go out there and play golf for a living. Like, wouldn't that be great? And you can, if you can get good enough, like, you can make decent money playing golf. And I like golf, right? Like, I like, I like to go play golf every once in a while, but I don't like golf that much. I, I don't – yeah, that's – um. But it wasn't about, like, you need to make money so I can retire. It was always about, for, from his perspective, I felt like it was always about this is this will make life easier for you. This will make life better. This will allow you to enjoy life more to its fullest than if you're stuck working some desk job. And I just, I don't know. Like, for I'll, me, I just, I, I don't I don't look at I'll, it that I'll way, be the, I guess. Yeah, I'll be the first one to tell you that um, I'm not married to money. Um and that's because money caused me to lose stuff, right? And I, I've kind of, I, I've reconciled that emotion. I'm like, yeah, I like to keep the lights yeah. on. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm never going to do something because it pays me a lot of money. Uh, about three or four months ago, I got a job offer to move to Tampa. I, I didn't tell my wife. That was smart. Um because <laughs> I don't want to live in t- <laughs> well, a like, that's way too close to the beach she'd be a little tempted <laughs> <laughs> Tampa who wants to live in Tampa Christy lived uh, in Tampa for but, a while yeah I don't want to do that that's crazy it's Florida it, <laughs> it's it like, doesn't matter it's Florida that's what it really boils down yeah. to it's not Tampa I wouldn't want to live anywhere in Florida but I also don't want to like not be home like I enjoy being home like I enjoy like being with my family. I enjoy coming home to my wife or, you know, being with, being with my wife. I, those are things that now granted I would have made a lot more money, but I'm not married. And to at money. what cost, right? Like that's what it boils yeah. down to is in my mind is it's like, there's, there's a trade off there most often. Yeah. And if you're willing to make that exchange, I mean, that's your choice. Sure, right? Like it. I'm not sitting here saying you're doing the wrong thing. Um, but I'm with you in that ultimately, like, I've had opportunities to go somewhere else and make more money, you know? And more often than not, I've made the decision, you know what? I really like what I'm doing. Like, I feel good about it. I understand my contribution, you know, like how I'm kind of a part of this organization or whatever. Right. I feel like I'm given opportunities to learn and expand my knowledge and, you know, ultimately that I'm, I'm a valued part of this. And those are so much more important to me than any paycheck that I get at the end, you know, and, and that plus the time to spend with my family and doing the things that I want to yeah. do. And that's, I should say that comes first, right? More than anything. And it's, that's why I took the job that I have now, because it's one of the reasons as much as I liked what I did at E area. And as much as I loved the team that I had at E area, I stopped feeling that. You know, I stopped feeling like I understood where I fit in that organization, that I saw what my opportunities were and kind of where things were going forward. And then I recognized that over those years, I had sacrificed a good amount of time 
with family to try and build my reputation up there, right? And I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want an organization that was going to require me to abandon the people that I love and care about most in order to prove my loyalty to them. Like that's that's bullshit at the end of the day. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't. I don't get that. how people like, do that. I don't get how organizations have that level of expectation. Oh, like, I get why people do that. I really do. Right? It's it's this there. There, there's a certain level of uh, of life that we all want to, uh, that most people want to attain, and that's normal. Yeah. But the the question they don't ask is, what does this cost me, right? Um, and if you never ask that question, you don't, you can't even estimate what that's going to cost you. Then it's a rational decision, right? Um, and then you look at when you look back in the, the, the rear view mirror, you're like, you know, I missed a lot. You know, uh, my daughter was, is the only one of my children I was able to take to her first day of school. Right. That was important to me because, you know, my, you know, my parents didn't do that. And I, 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 you know, I thought that was important and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's a, it's not to be dismissed that people desire that, right? They, they want the material things are not bad. The question that you always have to ask yourself is, what is this going to cost yeah. me? So the advice I give my sons and my, you know, my daughter, like, hey, do all that stuff while you're single, yeah. right? Go travel, go ball out, go, go buy whatever you want to buy, like, and just get all that out of your system. Because when it's not just about, you being responsible for yourself, but you contributing to like a household, a family, it's harder to make those decisions. I mean, you're, you're impacting so, potentially the well being of your children and their future yeah. with these decisions once they're in the picture. Right. And, and it's funny because yeah. I was going to say the same thing. My cousin who I think is turning 30 this year, it's very old. Um, he spent the last two years, I think living in Singapore working for a couple of mm -hmm. different companies over there. And he made the decision here most recently that he's going to move back to the States because in part Singapore's lockdown stuff has just made it less desirable to be there. But also right. because I think he recognized like, that's not where I'm looking to set up shop long term, And I'm not really finding what it is that I'm looking for over there. The company that I was working for, I didn't have the, you know, the, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be going in or, you know, whatever it may be. But I was excited because I'm like, well, good. Now I get to like actually see you more often. Not, you know, and I was right. also bummed because I'm like, now I don't have the place to go when I go to Singapore. But, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, like I think, you know, and then I look at like my sister and her husband. Right. Um, they were living separately for a long time when they were in California while they were dating and had spent a lot of their money on travel at the time right and then when they both <laughs> temporarily retired essentially uh at like age 32 or 34 or something oh, ridiculous like well, that life life is yeah, hard they yeah. took all of their savings that they had 
banked and went and traveled the world. And now they're living in Portugal. You know, like they they traveled and wanted to see because that was their whole thing was like, we want to travel and see all these different parts of the world we haven't been to yet before we settle down and start to have a family. And once they had done that, they found Portugal and were like, this is where we want to be for the for the at least the short future. Like this is where right. we kind of want to set up shop. And so they just got approved, I think, for their two year residency there. Um which was great for them, but you know, like they're, they, I look at that and say like, yeah, like if that's what you want to do, do it that way. And I, I recognize not everybody gets that opportunity, right? I think that's part of it is that right. based on the way that you grow up and the opportunities that you have or the, the decisions that you make, you may not find yourself in a position to do the things that you want to do when you're 25, you know, 25 to 30, right? Or there's those people who are like, well, I want to have kids young so I can enjoy my 40s and 50s. And it's like, OK, but you're not going to enjoy your 30s at all. Like. Yeah, but you can. You, you can. Right. That's that, hit me up and I'll, I'll let I you mean, know. That's what I, I was going to say is like I, you know, not that I'm like, you know, hey, everybody be like Chris. But I I feel like I have found at least from personally, right, like some semblance of balance there. Where It's like I've got a kid like I have my family like. But at the same time, I've got a job that allows me to travel some and a job that gives me the flexibility to be with my family when I'm home. Like that's that was the big thing about this. When I looked at it was like at the end of the day, even though I'm going to be traveling and spending overnights away at times, it's going to give me so much more freedom and flexibility to be with my family and be with my daughter when I am home. That that's that's the trade off. Right. Like, right. Yeah, I have to do this, but the cost or not the cost it's like this is what i get and the cost is that i have to be away sometimes but i i don't i don't disagree and i and i think that's just a level of not it's not maturity it's a, it's looking you know finish finishing the thought yeah right like a lot of people say oh that 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 shiny car looks great yeah it does insurance maintenance new tires like you know and right now those used cars to... are looking great right <laughs> Yeah, it's like so. Yeah, I, not so just much. to kind of, I, I, we can kind of wrap up because I know we're getting long here. But um, yeah, collaboration, synergy, thinking outside the box, raising the bar, breaking down silos, shifting the paradigm, disrupting the market, business. I, I've had my Toyota Tacoma now for almost three years. The lease is up on it in November, right? Um, I called the dealership just to see, like, hey, so I've got a couple of months left. I, I'm a little over on the mileage, but what are my options? And the guy's like, well, right now I can get you into a brand new 4Runner for a lot less than I can get you into anything used. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, and truth be told, you probably have some equity in that car at this point over what they estimated because of where the used car market is. He's like, so it may be best for me to just sit sit there and buy the car (laughs) because of the equity in it and then turn around and sell it to somebody else. Yeah, it's stupid. Uh, I mean, the freaking financial stuff that's going on right now. I I know we were talking about the housing market and everything earlier, but that's just like uh, this used car market. You've got what, like uh, out in Kansas, they have racetracks full of F-150s that don't have computer chips in them because they can't get them. Apparently, Toyota bought them all. Oh, did they? Oh, bought all the computer chips. Uh, 
I thought you meant the F one fifty. Just buy some Tundras, guy. Yeah, so Toyota bought all the processors. So they see Toyota saw the long game, right? Toyota saw it coming. And they jumped on it before everybody else did, and they put everybody else in the freaking. But even, I mean, even these guys, uh, Fred Anderson, Toyota, Raleigh, um, they they had like he was calling because he had his like, oh, I got this one Forerunner, and then he called me today, and he was like, actually, that one just sold. He's like, but I'll get a couple more next month. Yeah, I I think that um, conservatively, we're looking at twenty twenty three. We're going to see a the bubble, I think, probably by the fall of next year, the housing bubble will burst uh, because they won't, they won't be able to stimulate in, uh, interest rates that no. long. Uh, then secondly, it's going to be uh, cars. I, I will say the one you know, important distinction between what I believe will be the housing burst here and what we experienced in 2008. Oh, it would be a lot Because different. the lending yeah. practices are different, right? That was a huge chunk of the issues previously was it was like, Oh, or do you have a pulse? Here's a five hundred thousand dollar loan on a two hundred thousand dollar house. Like, that's that's the only variable that will be somewhat normal. But I think that a lot of things are overvalued. You're not wrong. I mean, and 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 I do think, um, you know, if you buy if you buy now in a like a uh, a hot market, yeah. God bless right. you. I hope I hope that's your house right. house, right? If you're buying like your first house, I'd wait. Like it's just not. No, you you need to the if math. you can right try and give it another year. Yeah. I mean at least. Yeah. You know my gut's telling me that we're going to see the housing bubble burst. Secondly, it's going to be the cars, yep. and I think a lot of that's also driven by inventory. Yeah. Um, right, which is all supply chain again, right? Like yeah. Right. So there there's a lot of complications, and, and I'm not a doom and gloom type of guy, but it's like yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Right. I looked at a house that was like a. Five and some change, uh, four months ago, four or five months ago, it's like seven and a quarter yeah. now. No, what do they say that, um, on average, housing prices rose 24% over the last 12 months? Yeah, it's insane, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like across the nation, that's not like North Carolina. Yeah. Like, I mean, granted, I think I added. Roughly a hundred thousand dollars in equity over the th- a three year period in my house, in the carry market, based on what it appraised for previously. You know? Yeah, I, I I just think that, um, and then on top of that, you look at the unemployment numbers, right? So it, it's like uh, it literally is an economy of the blind leading the blind, and I get the Fed's job. I'm not an economist, but I do think that. Um, Artificial rates aren't a really good long-term strategy, right? You can't, um, like you said, you can't keep it there forever, right? You can't yeah. just maintain this ridiculously low interest rate in the hopes of stimulating the economy via that. Like, there have to be other mechanisms in place to help fix the problems that we're experiencing. It's it's treating it, the symptoms, it, not the root cause. Once again, and then you throw in inflation, yeah, well, like. That's like uh, consumer goods are like up uh, 22% right now. So it's like something's got to give, right? Great movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things where it's like, I don't know how this plays out, but my gut's telling me 
it's going to be like a a knee-jerk reaction from the Fed down is going to be bad, yeah. right? Uh, you've got supply chain issues. You've got uh, an artificial interest rate. You've got uh, uh, low supply, high demand, and that's a lot of because you've, you've, you've pushed more money into the economy. Uh, then you're talking about a, a $15 an hour minimum wage. Yep. And I'm, I'm guessing Amazon's about to get in trouble too because they keep showing that commercial. Um, so there's a lot of things where it's like, this doesn't, like, it may not be 08, 09, where I lost an yeah. epic ton of money, but it's going to be damn close. Well, I mean, go and to any I, restaurant basically these days, right? You'll have some of the worst service yeah. you probably ever had, and it's not your waiter's fault. It's there they are have staff. no staff. I mean, we went to dinner last night at uh, Nikki's Gourmet Sushi in downtown Wilmington, and they had two people, two wait wait staff members working the entire restaurant. And I mean, you know, like when so, we went in, I didn't go in like, "Where's my," you know, I wasn't Andre Powell customer. I was. <laughs> Where's my napkins? <laughs> Speaking of which, somebody told me uh, a couple weeks ago, like uh, a restaurant's a great thing. I'm like, a restaurant's a terrible thing. Like, I would not want to own a restaurant right now. No, I, can I you just imagine? Would, I would. No, yes, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Of course you can. <laughs> like, but it's like we went to dinner the I, other I, night, and we we're joking around with the waitress, and you know, my mom said something to the effect of like, "Well, we can't promise we'll be on our best behavior tonight," and she was like, "Guys, I make two thirteen an hour." Like. Yeah. Wow. That's fucking pitiful. And she's, she's trying to keep the lights exactly. on. And that that's a it's just like I I that, I've never understood that the whole wait staff like you we it's okay to pay them less because they they're going to get tips. Like tips aren't a guarantee. I mean like to, maybe to some degree, but it's still to to be fair, my daughter literally just she works in a coffee yep. shop. She made 80 bucks in one day in tips. Yeah. I mean, I used to make good money bucks. even at Starbucks in tip money. Like you know, we it wasn't bad. <laughs> like, but that's that's a niche type of uh, like food it is, service, very much right? So. Uh, you have a higher like higher end clientele. You're, you're gonna they're gonna spend like six dollars on a coffee. So what's three dollars here and there, yeah. right? Um, but in general, no. I so I, I think in. And I don't want to be pessimistic about it. My gut's telling me like twenty. It's but I don't think that's being 2020. pessimistic, right? I mean, she, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but eighteen months ago, right? Fifteen months ago, when you and I were sitting here recording podcasts, talking about where the economy was and where it was going to end up, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four was basically what we were saying. We saw as yeah. as the end of what we're dealing with right now, right? Like that's how long yeah. it's going to take for everything to basically reestablish and and stabilize from where from the upheaval that is it, it has experienced over the last several months the the curveball was i didn't think that or did i believe that the supply ch like our supply chain was so yeah. bad it's way it's, it's, it's way bad. i mean it's bad. really bad it's really really bad so we ex we import that means we import like 70% of durable goods we import uh, sixty-two percent of uh, of the things that drive durable goods, like cars. Like so, if we're when, when we import like forty percent raw materials, like, yeah. it's insane. 
How do you like, operate on that? I mean, but this is what we've done with our economy over the years, right? Is like we eliminated manufacturing jobs and we said, oh, IT, technical, you know, white collar uh, jobs. That's where information and that's, that's technology why, is what, you know. And, and that's why since 08, we've been we've we've been in a deficit of a million houses a yeah. year. Because we there, I was listening to NPR. They said there's nobody doing trades. Because the message was you can make more money in white-collar jobs than you can in trades. Which is no longer true in a lot of cases, right? Ex it's exactly. It's almost the reverse. Like, go to trade school. Get an actual trade that you can go put to work. And we were talking about this, or we talked about it before. Talk about restaurants. Maybe think of it. I was driving down, I think, 17th Street in Wilmington. And I saw just randomly, like, this exhaust shop. You know, like an automotive exhaust shop. It's a little, you know individual entrepreneur but i had the thought i was like you know it's not like there aren't other exhaust shops around here right but this guy said i'm right. this is my skill this is my trade and i'm going to open up a business that does this and at the end of the day what he probably tries to do is differentiate himself with customer service or whatever it right. is right like he finds his niche of customers that are going to come in and work with him and that's what people should be doing not like, I want to go make a bazillion dollars opening up this restaurant that's just like the 50 other restaurants that are downtown, right? Like, that's not, you know, but find your niche. Like, find find a skill, right, that is valuable and put that to work for you. That's that's what I just don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll end it with this. Like, I think that, I said before, that um, the new economy is going to be about service-driven, like, Biz, like a like your business if it's service driven you'll be yeah. fine right the gaps that we have that have been exposed and i've got one i'll talk to you about it offline <laughs> but that's where the economy has to shift to yeah. right so if we're not going to have manufacturing then we have to you know look at distributor manufacturer what's in the middle and it's not about um being the middleman it's about you know there are gaps yeah. there right are you sourcing are you there, there's a lot of different you know avenues that you can get into that yeah. play transportation um, right i mean transportation right logistics right so there's a lot of things time to be a truck driver in this country <laughs> yeah well you have five to seven years before that goes but, by. i mean i but, have, a, I have a, a buddy of mine who had you know been working for different companies doing you know like dump truck driving and stuff like that he has class c license and he finally saved up enough money and bought a couple of trucks and so now he runs his own and he i mean he struggles at times you know because he's competing with these larger you know corporations that are able to bid much lower on some of these these jobs right. and stuff but he's found his niche he's figured out how to make his company work for him and and do that on his own right and he he didn't jump into it from the get-go he went and learned and gained the skills that he needed and understood basically what he was going to have to do in order to set that up. And that's what we need. We did, we need more people who are doing this the right way and less people that are just trying to get in for the quick buck and get out. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're super glad you joined us. We could talk for like probably another hour. Um, you can always find us on Instagram. Uh, I mean, we uh, are on Instagram. Well, I haven't posted anything are, in yeah. years, but God, God bless you if you find us on Instagram. But you can listen to our podcast on Google uh, Podcasts, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts. I am botching You're this. You're doing great. Uh, Sound, SoundCloud, <laughs> Pandora, um, Intune, 
And I think that's about it. And, and pretty much wherever you want to find us. We have an RSS feed on our website at chrisandandreshow.com. You can pull our actual uh, feed, put it into your favorite player. I use Plex. Uh, they're not paying us, but gosh, I love Plex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> send us an email at chrisandandreshow. Comments. Or comments. Comments at chrisandandreshow.com. I'm Andre at chrisandandreshow.com. I'm Chris at chrisandandreshow.com. We will be getting art. Uh, we will get. We will get episodes articles. out. I mean, it will happen yeah. at some point. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna try and get uh, at least one episode out this week before I have to go to Denver, so that I can feel a little bit better about that. But it probably won't be much yeah. more than that, unfortunately. Yeah. So hopefully we get our act together. We we really do appreciate it. We, and actually, I'll tell you what, I looked at the stats on SoundCloud before we started recording today, and I really, really, really appreciate We both appreciate people that are sharing our content. Um, All yeah. you Tesla fanboys out I, there that love our YouTube video talking smack about you, <laughs> thank you. Basically the only thing keeping us alive on YouTube right now in this doldrum. But we'll just we'll we'll continue to talk more smack about tesla and elon musk and anything else that you guys want to listen to honestly actually uh elon musk said something that um i actually agreed with i don't and again i don't dislike yeah. the guy it's just like just just you know carry it yep. through dude um that's a whole nother topic i will say this you may or may not find us in the future on social media i think i'm done like i, I think i'm emotionally done with that um, and I'm I am quickly approaching the edge of done. Yeah, I I think I just don't have the because um, I'm already emotionally lazy, so I don't have the patience for the silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love you. <sighs> Some things don't work out in like face to face. Are you saying that I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that to your face? You know that's not oh, true. I would say that to you. As you're running yeah. away. Like you're you're old and <laughs> <laughs> But as always I'm and Andre. I'm still Chris, at least until this guy kills me. <laughs> hey, we're super glad you joined us. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Deuces.